Hello and welcome to the very latest Forever Blue podcast. I'm Ian Cheeseman and I want to start by thanking Holiday Inn at Central Park who've given us the facilities to record this podcast in, so thanks very much to them. And also uh, our new sponsor for this podcast, which is Hot Click Marketing, the Google and social media ad specialist that will help grow your business. So if you're interested in them, I will, when I tweet the links out and on my Facebook page, Uh, And hopefully in other places as we go along, as they'll be with us till the end of the season, I'll try and give you links that take you to where they are so you can find out a little bit more about them if you feel that their services can be of benefit to you. So thanks very much to Hot Click Marketing. Uh, Right, my background, if you don't already know, is that I'm a City fan, uh, lifelong City fan, worked for the BBC for 23 years, commentating all the big moments for City, and basically I'm just an obsessed blue. Uh, And I have with me tonight four special guests, as opposed to the three that we normally have. So let's uh, let's start to my left, even though if you're listening to this you won't know which is my left and right, (laughs) but who are you? Well, I'm on the left, and uh, I'm Harlan, Um, I'm a die-hard blue um, I can't get to every game. I'd love to get to every game. Um, yeah, I absolutely adore this club. It means everything to me. And, uh, and I absolutely adore coming down here as well and doing this uh, whenever I can. Hi, I'm Emma. Uh, I run and host the MCW Fancast podcast, which is a Man City women's podcast for the supporters and the club. Hi, I'm Mike, a.k.a. Bolt from the Blue from the Bolt from the Blue podcast. City since 1978. I'm loving it. Hi, I'm Paul from Prestige Car Repairs. And at the moment, I feel like Judith Chalmers have been up and down the country and all over the world. We're watching City. Fantastic. <laughs> yeah, we should reveal, by the way, that I travelled with Paul to Germany last week, um, which uh, is not something that you generally want to shout about to your friends. But um, <laughs> thankfully, in, on this particular trip, unlike others, I didn't share a, a suite with him, so I didn't have to listen to the snoring. But anyway, less of that. Uh, let's, let's start with, uh, with what happened over the weekend. There were two games. There were two cup finals. There were two victories. Both were on penalty shootouts after nil-nil draws. It was almost like Groundhog Day, presumably. I was sat where I was sat in the stadium at Wembley next to a gentleman who'd been at both games. In fact, there were several people who were in that area. I was very lucky yesterday, even though it's an expensive seat, to be sat in the Club Wembley. So I was with all the posh people. Didn't have any prawn sandwiches, but that's where I was. And the people, quite a few of the people around me, there's a branch of the City Supporters Club called the Heroes of Waterloo branch who support the men's and the women's game very strongly. And they'd all been at both games as well. There probably weren't that many who had been at both games, but for them, it must have been a little bit surreal to sit there through the second one at nil-nil, watch it go to penalties and City win and think, what? What's going on? On. I mean, I presume, Emma, you were at the women's game. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it was uh, hosted at Bramall Lane, Sheffield, uh, on the Saturday. Early kickoff, quarter past 12. Um, it was unbelievable, the game. Unbelievable. Um, like you said, 90 minutes, extra time, and then to go to penalties. Um, the comparisons between them both, obviously. <laughs> uh, you know, when, um, when the City game on Sunday went to penalties, everyone, you know, a lot of the City women fans were like, it's going to go to 40 on penalties, definitely, definitely, it's got to. Uh, but it didn't, uh, but obviously for, for both teams to get the results and for both teams to come back to Manchester with the Cups is just a very successful weekend for Man City. The club is very inclusive in what they do in terms of uh, Twitter and social media, etc. Yeah. This was a perfect example, I suppose, this weekend. How do you feel, from your point of view, that's working? It's been a great success. I mean, 
on yesterday, there's been a lot of content put out. I mean, the, the comparisons of Jimmy, Jimmy Becky took our penalty, um, Sterling obviously took his, and they did a, a really nice comparison mm. of the two and morphed uh, the, the video content together, which was really nice and a, a nice touch, I thought, by the club. Um, and obviously, for the women's game, that helps grow our game because, you know, people see that as well because obviously the following for Man City is so big. Um, obviously for the women to be included in that and, and equally have the shared success is just fantastic for the club. What What do you guys think about that? I mean, I don't. I presume not, none of you three were at the no, women's I game. I think I didn't go to. Did you watch it? I mean, was it? it presumably it was on TV. Yeah, it was on was BC it? Sport. Yeah. yeah. I, I didn't. I'll admit, I was a. I was at another game on Saturday, so I didn't see it. But did you watch it? I mean, I've got a little bit of an invested interest because I, I, I do wear one of the ladies' players' cars for her. Um, I do sort of follow the ladies, um, but it's like anything. I've got so much going on in my life. Yeah. Um, I saw more ladies' games when you were running. In win- playing in summer, weren't you? you yeah. Was it like the, when you started, you played in the summer? That's right. So I find it really difficult to, to watch the men on a Saturday and then get to the... I've, I basically, I'd work six days a week, watch football and then watch women. I'd be divorced. <laughs> so that's, that's, that's the problem I've got because I used to love taking my granddaughter. Me, me and Poppy used to go down watching the ladies. But then when he changed it, I just can't afford the time. And that's, that's the problem I've got. And they're they running them together. Yeah, it's difficult for me. It's it's difficult because obviously, I look at it like a positive because I see it running alongside the men's game and I see it as a positive in the fact that it's being treated kind of equally, if you like. Um, the fact that obviously we shared cup success on that weekend was great. I think if it wasn't uh, shared, then I wouldn't. I think that we'd probably get that that much interest and that much notice. And, you know, from that, I think it, that might bring extra people through the turnstiles, which is what we really need to grow the women's game, um, especially in a World Cup year as well. Um, hopefully that will help too. Um, I, I, I do think it's growing. I do think it's getting better. Um, but like you said, there are difficulties when it comes to obviously... The clashes and you know people get into games. I mean, the majority of the men games are on the Saturday, the majority of the women's games are on a Sunday, but they're not always at home. You know, one's either away or at home, or there's a clash. So it, it is very difficult to manage. It does feel to me as if it's pulling on my time. I mean, I'm in a different position. I admit that because I've been a journalist for a long time, so my life does pretty much revolve around City and, and footballing activities and at the moment at least and, and for, for many years now I haven't had what you might call well I have had a normal job where I've got a salary trust me, it's not all a hobby but I haven't had another job that I've had to juggle to do this um, but I would imagine and, and Paul's alluded to it already that actually combining so many different things, I mean I on the way here tonight, I was chatting to Paul about it, and I, I've got an interest in Formula One, I've got an interest in tennis, I've got an interest in, in other things, and that's just sport. And you think, well, how, how on earth can I be interested and attend everything? Yeah. Yeah. A, money-wise, and B, just time-wise. Is that ever a, you know, an issue for you guys? Well, just um, the best that, that I can do with, with what I do is just to keep up to date with the, the highlights of the text alerts, follow the progress in the games. You can have it set up to have notifications come through to you as goals go in and um, looking at the videos, some of the quality of those goals that have been scored by the women this season have been absolutely amazing. It's incredible, they've got a great team and uh, they're gonna be fantastic going forward. Yeah. I think for me, and I think, I mean, I'm not gonna beat around the bush with this, obviously growing up, growing up um, 
from 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 ninety three when I was born. Started to really you know gather what football meant to me when I was around seven or eight. Started to get my first city shirts at eight nine when I actually started to ask my parents for them. And 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 obviously I had I had some dark days myself. Obviously not as many as as you in here, but I had some dark days myself where I get ribbed in school and 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 when 08 came round, I was in Tenerife and we were bought by um the uh, the Abu Dhabi United group and and my dreams started to come true. But dreams that I never actually knew were dreams, if you get what I mean, because it wasn't it wasn't realistic for us to dream this big. But my priority growing up as a child was always the men's football because that's all I knew. And our women's team wasn't well publicised. And I grew up watching Arsenal's women in the FA Cup, women's FA Cup final. Uh, you know, watching. Was it Doncaster? Um, Doncaster. Doncaster. Doncaster Bell. Bell. Yeah. You know, uh, look, look, I looked up to Walt Powell as a young kid. Uh, thought she was a superb uh, England women's manager, um, and absolutely adored watching women's football when I could watch it. Um, but men's football was always my priority growing up I'm not going to try and pretend that, that I adore women's football as much as, 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 I, as I adore men's football we said that the other week Paul um, but I still get a buzz when the women win Absolutely. I still get a buzz it's, it's an amazing buzz that I get even though I wasn't part of it in the ground I get that city You're buzz still proud of it aren't you city of yeah. one it's city yeah. that have won and that's how I see it yeah. so whether that inclusion of, of the men and women's game and that fuse that, that, that fusing of the games together is done by the club or not, it's still done to me by myself. It's still City. They're still Manchester City women. Yeah. Even with the women bit off it, yeah. and they'd still played, it's still just City. Yeah, and yeah, we've won. And, and, and New York City win, and I get a buzz. If Yokohama win in Japan, I get a buzz. Yeah, I don't. Anyone that's that... connected, because it's part of our... So Barcelona have a handball team, right? And they have a, a mini stadium, um, which is quite close to the, the main stadium, the camp now. And and it's an indoor facility, and it's very impressive. I've walked into it and seen it. It's all in the, the same colours, etc. And and I think if City had a handball team, would would the would you would you, any of you have the same feeling? Would you have the same feeling? Would you think, well, this is a Manchester City brand, if you like. So I'm going to be interested in this. I wasn't interested in it before. Now this might sound like I'm. Going off the point a little bit, but I've also heard people say when they compare the men's game to the women's game, you can tell me if if this is a valid argument because it's said to me a lot. Think them, think of them as two different sports. Don't think of them as the same sport. Don't compare one to the other. Of course, it's the same rules. It's the same principles. We do understand it. And I used to have a fascination for ice hockey. And the reason I loved ice hockey was because I thought I get this. Goal, shot, you know, it was it was yeah, what yeah. I was used to. So are, are we right? To, to, so I suppose there's a long-winded discussion here uh, that I'm trying to introduce, which is, do we follow women, as, as, as men who've been brought up on the men's game, do we follow women's football just because it's a Manchester City brand and it wouldn't have mattered if it was handball, tiddlywinks or whatever, or... Should we, or, or, you know, are the two sports different? You know, you know, I'm throwing a few things in the I air. I personally there. think, no, it's like, and this is, this is my honest opinion, I think that the club now, not, indirectly, they've not meant to do it, but they're forcing you into wanting to like the, the women's football because it's part of the <coughs> club, if you get what I'm trying to say. So but, which could like, be handball. It, yeah, but it, it feels like now, if, if I don't get as excited as, as I'm supposed to get about City women's football, that I'm disloyal to, to that or it, it's as if like I've, I've got to be as enthusiastic about the women's game as I am about the men's but that's never going to happen <coughs> and I can categorically say that that will never ever happen they will never be as important to me as the men it, it, 
but but they'll be as important to me. Do you know what I mean? But the game itself won't be. <laughs> but I still love seeing someone smack a ball from twenty five yard and go in the top bag. Mm. Do you know what I mean? If, if they do that, I'm just as proud of it uh, as if. When um, so before the rebranding, before the same yeah. city, same passion campaign, yeah. did you follow women's football? Um, from afar. So social media, I'd always watch the highlights. Me and Jess would sit down with a brew and watch the five to ten minute highlights on the website. Mm. Um, and like I say, if the ball at the back of the net, I'd get the same buzz as if a men's player hit the back of the net. Yeah. But but it's because it at the back of the net. It wasn't necessarily because I loved women's <coughs> football, but I was proud because it was City. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? But I was proud when Arsenal won the Women's FA Cup because I was proud that women were we're doing well in football because yeah. I love football. But what I think is interesting is the way or the extent to which our owners have forced <coughs> that Stretford lot to follow us and react to what we're doing. We all know that they hired Mourinho because we got Pep and there was no one with the same uh, worldwide um, profile. But they had nothing to do with women's football and they were getting year on year embarrassed by the progress of our teams. And it's only very, very recently that they've started um, having their own uh, women's right, team yeah. as well. Uh, that was so, because of us and what we did. Yeah, Manchester United have formed their own women's team this season that have uh, come into the championship um, WSL. Uh, they could be promoted to the WSL, so there's potential there for derby days, which is obviously they want to entice people to the matches and they obviously feel that that is a way of doing that. They've bought a, a top-class manager in Casey Stoney, who's a renowned... Uh, England international, she's got a fantastic reputation in the women's game and they've brought her in. She's doing a great job, to be fair. Um, and, it, and it does make it a little bit more exciting, enticing for perhaps people that don't follow the game as much to obviously think, oh, what's going on? Oh, Derby United, let's, let's go and have a watch of that. That's what they want to do. That's why they're trying to entice people to the women. Do you, do you follow the men's game as well? Yeah, I do so follow the men's game. You do both? Yeah, yeah. I, do, I don't <coughs> go to as many city, the city no, matches, no, no. but I do follow the game. So in a way, you kind of do it. Yeah, I counter. Yeah, I counter what you guys are doing. Yeah, yeah. So, so I appreciate what you're saying. Yeah. I fully understand what you're saying. I follow the men's game from afar. I have a, a an interest in it. Uh, so yeah, it's a different point of view. Different. I think that's a question I, I I wanted to ask you. Obviously, being a female representative for the women's for the women's game here right now tonight, is that do you personally believe that? that will ever change then. So, for example, if you've got used to supporting the men's team for such a long period of time, I know that I could ask forty, I could ask 53,000 City fans in the ground on a Saturday, will you ever love the women's team as much as you love this team? And I can, <coughs> I can probably say that the majority of them will say no. Mm. And if you ask the women, uh, if you ask the women supporters at the women's games or the men's supporters that are going to the games, how many prefer the women's game over the men's game, there'd be a large majority of women that would prefer the women's game over the men's game. Mm-hmm. I absolutely, absolutely you, you will never change that percentage. It was interesting because there was a double header done recently, yeah. of course, and I went to both games and I, on my vlog, <coughs> wanted to sort of interview a couple of people about maybe doing the double header <coughs> and I actually found it quite difficult and I found that when people were coming out of the women's game, they were heading to the car parks and heading home. Now, whether that was because of cost whether that was because of time, whether it was what you're saying, which is, you know, my passion is for the women's game, my passion is for the men's game. I'm not quite sure. It was an interesting experiment to see how that would work. And I, for one, thought that was a great idea. And it certainly worked for me because I went to both games. But as I say, I'm in a slightly different position. I know how lucky I am to be 
you know, having made a living and, and still trying to make me way as a broadcaster, as a podcaster, as a vlogger, whatever, but not everybody's as lucky as me. So therefore you do make the choices, don't you? And is it still, do you still feel it's polarised then? I feel that you're right there in the fact that it comes down to affordability. A lot of families go along to the women's game because it's affordable. You can take a family of four for under £10. I mean, that's, yeah. for the value for money, that's incredible. You know, if you did the same thing at the SCR, you'd be paying, well, way more than that, let's put it that way. Um, so, you know, obviously that does come into play. I think that is probably one of the main, probably one of the main reasons. Like you say, a lot of people, they're an invested group of people, and the majority of them are, are Man City uh, season ticket holders for both women and men's game and they do come across problems with clashes and things like that they are more um, prone to go along to the men's game because they've paid more money for the season ticket why not you know mm-hmm. and it is frustrating that the clashes do happen <clears throat> and unfortunately they are just something that we have to accept that you know they do happen um, going forward I don't know how they could you know change that and, and, and make that any better. You, you We've got so much to contend with. The schedule One thing that's so a bit tight. different with the men's team is that we don't lose players. We don't sell them to our rivals. Mm-hmm. But I've noticed that a couple of our best players have gone to Barcelona. Yes. They've been Tony transferred. Duggan. Tony yeah. Duggan. Tony yeah. Duggan and she brought them to Leon, didn't she? That's right, yeah. It's yeah. Chris Jensen as well. Uh, we have lost a few big players mm-hmm. to, um, to bigger clubs. But, you know, that's their progression. They want to obviously win trophies and unfortunately last season we weren't able to do that and um, we've had a good start this season hoping now that we can obviously keep that momentum now going for the rest that's of the season. That's where we want to be to the point where like the men's team they don't want to go anywhere else they no. want to stay yeah. with us. No. Ian I've got an interesting slant on this um, this is just a, a different way of looking at it for example I'm not a massive <coughs> Man- Manchester City women's you know team supporter right now now let's look at it let's look at what people are criticised for outside of the club right now and it's your glory hunter because you now support City because they were bought by the uh, by the Abu Dhabi United group they're successful they've got great players they've got some of the best on the planet um, they're winning things they're successful they're winning trophies if I was to now start supporting the women's team because they're successful I'd be a glory supporter yeah but I wouldn't have supported them anyway this is like following the, 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 the ladies teams now this is like following Man City when we first started playing football, because yeah. it's it's re- it's really new, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Really, I know it's been going it's for years. It's coming into the fold now, yeah. You know, before it was just played as you know, like a don't mean this disrespect, it was like a bit of a pub team, mm-hmm. Doncaster Bells. They're the ones I can always remember, and they kind of you know they were the, the the forefront of it all for me. That's what I can remember doing. So they started right at the beginning of it now. So I don't really think we can have glory hunters. I think we've been thrown. We've been thrown in straight in the middle of it, haven't we? Mm. We're starting now. So whatever, your grassroots now still for the women's game, really. We've had a a hugely (coughs) successful few seasons, really, under Nick Cushing. I mean, you know, in our first season, you know, again, we won the League Cup. We've, you know, we've had a treble winning season in 2016, which was massive for the club. That really, really set the benchmark as to where we were. And, you know, from there... You know, we've we've been fairly consistent. We didn't have a very good season last season. You know, we were rife with injuries towards the end of the season. We didn't have many options. Um, you know, we we almost became a bit predictable, and you know, 
we got tired because we had no options. Um, so this season has been quite different. We've brought in some really good players, um, Caroline Weir. Uh, we've brought in two internationals, Tessa Woolart, Janine Becky, um, Lauren Hemp, a really good young prospect that can offer some longevity to the club. And it's been an exciting season. We've played some really good football. We're unbeaten. Um, we're one of the few teams in the in the country at the moment that's unbeaten domestically. Uh, we got knocked out of the Champions League pretty oh, early, we them, we which was quite disappointing. <coughs> but you know, we're on course. If we carry on playing like we're playing, you know, it's it's in Arsenal's hands really. You know, we just need to be there to 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 get the points and win our next few games and you know it could be a treble winning season once again for City mm. that's the well, that's the hope that's the dream fingers crossed that it is yeah absolutely let's hope it's seven by the end of the season yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. now I want to broaden out subject area now and, and move away from, from that so I hopefully you know comment on what we're talking about tell, give us feedback it's not the last time I'm sure we'll talk on this subject we can't ignore the men's game the yeah. final um, uh, the final at Wembley um, and especially because we've got Mike here, uh, it lends itself perfectly to discussions we've touched on in the past about different types of fans and how you follow football. You're based in Seoul in, in Korea, mm. so you don't go to games. And we've always said within our podcast that just because somebody goes to a game and somebody else doesn't go to a game doesn't make that person a bigger, better or whatever fan than the person who doesn't. And you've said already that you watch the, you know, you follow the games or it feels that you're saying, I don't want to put words in your mouth, that you're following the game more on social media and in other ways rather than the way that I would watch it, which is predominantly in the stadium. And if not, then sitting watching a 90-minute live feed in, in a, on a big you know, massive screen TV type of thing, rather than just thinking, how are they going on? They must have been playing for 20 minutes now. Oh, yeah, my goal <laughs> notifications. And that isn't putting that down. I'm just saying those are the different ways that we consume. So I want to get on to that. But first of all, the Chelsea game. My personal view is that, that um, and, I, and I certainly don't want to sound um, negative because people criticise you when you're negative. I don't think it was a great game. For the first time this season... And, and I love football, and I love City, and I'm obsessed with it, and I go home and away, and I've done it all my life. I found myself a little bit bored at Wembley during that Absolutely. game. It was a dog of a game, really a dog of a game. And uh, uh, Sarri had uh, set up with a, a clear strategy of uh, containment and spoiling, and they did it very, very well. Is it all um, down to Chelsea then? No, we uh, were great in the build-up, but again, in the final third, we, we were not as penetrative as we normally are. We were off the game. We, we were absolutely wonderful in the first half, totally dominant. And uh, I was just thinking, oh my gosh, if this goes to penalties, I, I don't think I could live, live with it if Chelsea won because they just didn't deserve it. No. There was only one team trying to win the game. They came into it a little bit more in the second half, as we all saw, but there was only one team that deserved to win that game. But absolutely, I mean, for fans who were expecting the thrills and the spills and the Goldmouth action, were disappointed about that. But uh, nonetheless, City deserved to win that game. Um, but, uh, yeah, what do you guys think? I mean, I, 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 I was very, very underwhelmed about the whole occasion. You went? I went, went to the game, set, got up at five, we went down on a coach, and the traffic was murder because of the fog. You know, typical. Oh, it was even worse coming back yeah, at midnight, yeah. trust me. Yeah. So it was just the whole day, it's a long journey down, it took longer than it should have done. 
we got into the ground and it just I don't know it might have been because I've just been come back from Germany you know I set off that Monday night so I might have just been tired myself but speaking to other fans around me it was very underwhelming the whole game was um, again it was the VAR that stopped starting things we didn't know what was going on it was the bit with the goalkeeper you know the, having him thrown his toys out and we do, it, it was just a whole thing and then it went to extra time and I thought I weren't thinking, oh, it's great, we are gonna, we could win this. I'm just thinking, oh, God, it's more time we're going to waste it getting home yeah. now. This I'm not going to get home. And that's the first time ever, and I can't believe I'm saying it. I was bored going to Wembley. I was there with the uh, the two guys from uh, Man City Fan TV, Andy and Ray, and they were turning the air blue. It was just increasing agitation. Yeah. And we just th- thought that, you know, they, they're going to nick something here. You yeah. know, coming towards the end, they're going to steal it from us. And... Uh, the, the the guys that we were that I was with those two guys and the guys behind are getting really really irritated and mm. angry as as a as a pass was misplaced or or a shot went wide and uh, we're thinking oh you know and, and towards the end a lot of the, a lot of those guys were saying we're losing this we're we're, we're yeah. it just doesn't feel right <clears throat> yeah but then I think everyone brightened up a little bit when Leroy Sane came on because we know what he can do mm. and uh, things changed a little bit from then on in. You did in the extra time it, yeah. it kind of kicked up a gear didn't it a little so bit. So from your perspective Mike obviously for you it was a relatively rare event to be there yeah. so I'm 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 assuming therefore that um the the things that Paul's talking about which is um again not in a detrimental way do I say this but you're almost dismissive of it because you've done it many, many times. Mm. So you've got two very different perspectives. And if I read you right, and I spoke to you on the way down here, the actual going to Wembley novelty has worn off. And you said to me that if City get to the semi-final of the FA Cup, your supporters club branch, which would normally have a coach or people going, you've already decided that, no, not happening, not going to Wembley again, maybe the final. <laughs> yeah. And people will be shocked at that. And you, yeah. Mike's nodding along and th- he's probably thinking, blimey, I'd want to be at every <laughs> final yeah. if yeah. I could be. Yeah, yeah. But, but you haven't had that. Why, why do you feel like that? Why? Just because you're just so underwhelmed by it. I've, I'm, I'm bored. I'm bored with the whole Wembley. Just to make it clear, is it the match we're talking about here? or the No, the, atmosphere, the, 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 experience. the experience of Wembley. Really? Um, it's quite surprising. I, I travel. I travel all over Europe with, with with Ian. We got all the European games, and Wembley's the biggest hellhole to get out of of all of them. I agree with that. I'm not. I'm. Not, I'm not talking about the fact that I'm going to Wembley, and it's like, well, City's at Wembley again. Well, I don't think I'll bother. I'm just. I've had enough of the travel there. When I go to the next final, I'll stop over, because the way you cattled out at the end of the game, it's just an absolute. I got home at three o'clock this morning. So I've been up from five o'clock and I got home at three o'clock in the morning and I've got a business to run. These kids have to go to school. On a Sunday, football on a Sunday at four o'clock kickoff with extra time, you're on a hiding to nothing. Can Mike and Harleen are both thinking, you know, Mike's thinking, I'm so lucky to be there. No, and, Mike and Harlan's thinking, I wish I could have been you know, there. Do you know what? The first, the first time I went to Wembley in was 2011, semi-final against United. What an experience that yeah, was. Yeah, was. Coming back yeah. from half-time, I'm walking up the uh, up the steps towards my seat. I turned around because someone said, yeah, Yaya's picked the ball up, Yaya's picked the ball up. Within minutes of the, of, the, of the whistle being blown for the second half, he's already put it underneath Van der Sar, mm. and we won up. Mm. Now, I know where you're coming from because, I, you know, Move City out of the equation for a minute. I think Wembley, in general, has lost its it's lost, lost its, its attraction to yeah. people. I think the fact that there was all that last year 
uh, with regards to it maybe being sold. I think that's contributed to the fact that people don't see Wembley as magic anymore. Mm. I think the fact that the semi-finals are played though, I think that's contributed to its loss of magic. I think uh, the fact that it's used uh, far too frequent... Um, just, well, just Tottenham are there. For, for top, so you're there again. Tottenham are there, so you're there again for the league games. Which I went to. Um, I just personally think that in the FA Cup, semi-finals should be at neutral grounds like they used, used to be. be Aston Villa you know, or whatever. St yeah. James's Park, Villa Park. <clears throat> um, even use the Etihad for a neutral game if we're not playing in it. Yeah, yeah. Use it. Um, but I just think that to use it for the semi-finals and then expect the fans to go to the final as well, it's a bit of a liberty. And I think looking at the FA Cup run this year as well, the fans have just been to Newport, South Wales. Then we're gonna to have to go to South Wales again for the Swansea game. They've just been in between to Wembley for the Carabao Cup just final. Just been to Schalke. Just been to Schalke. Bournemouth next week. Then they've got to go to Wembley, Bournemouth again. Then, then Wembley again for the semi-final, and then go to Wembley again for the final. Mm. So I can understand why Wembley is is probably not as special as it no, used to be. This is a, this is a, this is you know incredible for me to listen to because it's like. You know, uh, getting bored of, of cheesecake or ice cream or something like that. Oh, I mean, no, that's different. Then. I, 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 I just, I'm, I'm taken back to the 81, 81 Cup final, especially the replay. And I'm sitting in our, our house in Carrick Fergus in Northern Ireland watching this thing on a black and white TV with my scouse and rag supporting friends outside mocking me as we're losing that game, especially with the Ricky Via goal. Yeah. And I, you know, if I, if, I, if I could have had a dream that, day, that days would change to be like this, you know. I would have bitten your hand off, and these games that you know that have caused you to be a little bit bored, you know, I could I could do that every day seriously. But you that's it's because of the. Well, eight, but seriously, Mike, I mean, I know I know you're saying that from the heart, and you mm. really mean it, and yeah. I get that. Mm. But you're not at all those games. Now that's not meant true, to be a true. having a go at you or putting yeah. you down. But yeah. you don't know until you're actually in that situation where City could play at Wembley, for example. Have you worked this out? Five times this, six yeah. times this yeah. season. Yeah. That's Charity what I mean. Shield, it's, it's magic. Tottenham yeah. in the league, yeah. potentially Tottenham in the Champions League, League Cup final, FA Cup semi final, <laughs> FA Cup final. Yeah. There could be six trips to Wembley. Mm-hmm. Now, if you were having six trips to Wembley. Honestly, it might seem like it as a, some, some sort of utopia from, from far away. And again, that is <coughs> not meant in any way of criticism. <laughs> but, I, but can you not see why a 20-hour uh, day or whatever it is that, that Paul had, and I had the same sort of experience, um, can eventually get to you and you think, you know what, I'll watch this one on the telly. No, no, I, I, I can't, seriously. I mean, I come from Alex, the, Alex I come from the days whenever we were we, we got humiliated so by Halifax and so beaten by Brian, Brighton four 0 and uh, it's just uh, it would I guess I can see exactly where you're coming from, but um, I wonder I I, just, I keep thinking about Ricky Hatton and he said that he you know he really preferred the dark old days because something about the the camaraderie and maybe you want to come back where finals are not a regular thing that they're I guess when you have too much of something it loses its appeal but this is not going to last you know this is the thing I mean Pep despite how much we don't want to talk about it he will move on and we will not be top dogs and we'll look back on days (coughs) like this and we'll you'll we'll miss them so I say drink it in I personally believe that there should be different stadiums for different competitions for example I think that it should stay at the Millennium the Carling Cup the, the, the Capital One Cup whatever you want to call it, the Carabao Cup, that should have stayed at the Millennium Stadium, I think, the Principality. And then the, the fans get a different experience for the different competition. Yeah. Mm. Do you know what I mean? So now the fact that Wembley's used for the England games as well, we've not even mentioned the England games yet. Yeah, yeah. 
So if you're a massive avid England supporter and you'd go into Wembley for every friendly and every World Cup qualifier and every European uh, Championship qualifier, you're going to Wembley not six times a season, but say this was another <coughs> year, say you are going there six times for your league games, for your club, your cup games, your cup finals, your semi-finals, then you go in there three or four times with your kids for the England games as well. It could end up being eight, nine, ten times a year. So what you guys are saying is it's not like seeing City compete in finals that's the issue. It's just that constant Wembley, it's, it's Wembley. repetitive yeah. situation. Yeah. You know, for example, I look forward to going to the FA Cup. I love the FA Cup. It's one of my favourite competitions. I absolutely love City winning everything. I've followed them all my life through all the dark days. You know, my, my birthday's May the 12th, so most FA Cup games land around that. So Ricky Velia absolutely ruined my birthday. So I'll never forget it. And I, hate so- I could I hate- see that being a book. I could. Yeah, <laughs> the title. And I hate him. I hate him for it. What a fantastic player, but I hate him. And feel so sorry for Tommy Hutchinson still. You know, it's like, but I've got to be honest about it. And, and, and that's what we've always said. I love seeing City win the Cups. And I said to you on the way down, I can't believe I'm going to say this. That I'm 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 bored of going to Wembley, and it's not the I'm not being blasé about anything about following City. I'm bored with Wembley as a as a stadium, as the match day experience. I've had it with Wembley. These Emma, you were bursting to come in. Yeah, the, you're right in what you're saying with Wembley. There's so many things around it that just make it unappealing. Mm. I mean, you getting in, getting out, walking back down Wembley Way, like you oh. said, when everyone's trying to get on the, the underground, it's an absolute mare. Mm. And it's, they try and marshal it, but it's, it's impossible. They're stopping and, stopping and starting pedestrian walking down, and, and then you're sat there waiting, stood there waiting for ages. And it's like a sheep, all, the way, all the way through, you're just thinking, how am I going to get out? When should I leave? When should I go? What's my best way of avoiding the crowds? And it's so stressful. So Another stressful. thing I've got here, Ian, is Wembley's not half as aesthetically pleasing as it was when it was first built. And I know that's only a tiny thing, but it's not as magical walking down Wembley Way. No, it's not. I mean, I went watching Warrington in the, in the, um, in the Challenge Cup final with my mum a few years back, 16, and then I went last year as well. And you're walking down Wembley Way, and I've been, I went in 16, and I went last year in 18, in August 18. And I said to my mum, I said, how has this changed in two years so much? So the hotels going up buildings, it's yeah. everywhere. Yeah. You look down Wembley, it's like now, a you building can see, site. You yeah. can see one segment of Wembley. Never looks at the top of the arch. Where's your thought opportunity? I'm, I'm saying it's only a small thing, but no, well, it's, it's it, part it's, of your match day you know, experience. Look at our stadium, you're getting on the tram at <clears> Vela <throat> Park, and you can have pictures in Asda's car park of our stadium. It's beautiful. Wembley was supposed to be this magical thing with nothing else around it, a standalone project, and now it's like everything else is more important than the actual. Mm-hmm. One, one, one thing that was very funny, I'm sure you guys saw this, was there was a rogue report on social media that City were planning to build a southern base so that uh, they would uh, be able to uh, stay overnight and that they would have access to the local talent, uh, etc. Of course, I think it was probably nonsense, but I remember one wag coming on and saying, well, we've already got that. It's like Wembley, because we're always there. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah. I, I take the point that maybe it would be, it would be much better if they would rot- rotate the final through the various big grounds. Or even stuff. do the FA Cup final at Wembley, because the FA Cup seen as a more traditional trophy than the League Cup mm-hmm. for me, especially even mm-hmm. at my age as well. And I've, I've the League Cup final at the Principality. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you've got Cardiff. And then it's more got... in the middle, isn't it? You know, yeah. it's, it's, it's... You've got Windsor Park and Belfast guys as well, you know. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> That's some, some Get great... the Belfast, yeah. <laughs> 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 or even just, you know, you couldn't go to St James's, could you? Really? You could do. 
Yeah. There's, there's some know. great potential host venues mm. that don't get near an eye. Enough right. you utilise People as don't much get bored of going to the Champions do. League because it's, it's a, a different shame. stadium. Yeah. All the time. Moved around. Yeah. Really. Let's talk about the football now. Um, there's a lot of people saying to me that. Um, uh, and, and, and I have to agree that at the moment Kevin De Bruyne is just not the player he was uh, post-injury. He's had two serious knee injuries um, and yesterday, I mean, if you look at Pep's actions, uh, so this isn't commenting, this isn't what he says, this is what he does. He took off, who would have thought it, in a cup final towards the end, he took off David Silva and Kevin De Bruyne, not because of injury, but because presumably, although he wouldn't have said this and he wouldn't have necessarily expressed these opinions, but actions sometimes speak louder than words, that those two players weren't doing what he would hope that they would do. And equally, I could also spin that one another way, so my job's here to provoke you and push you and, and get a reaction from you. We've had a lot of discussions in the past about Phil Foden, about Riyad Mahrez. Both of those were on the bench yesterday. Both are attacking options. I would suggest that Foden's main role is as an attacking midfielder. Obviously, Riyad Mahrez is a winger, is an attacking, creative winger. Neither of those two were brought on, despite the fact that there were four substitutions. Now, I know there are part reasons for that in that, you know, Laporte goes off, you've got to bring a central defender on. You know, so I know it's not quite black and white, but I feel as if you could read quite a lot into what what Pep did rather than what he says in what we saw yesterday in that Kevin De Bruyne, I can't believe I'm saying this, hasn't, in the last three or four games, has just not been Kevin De Bruyne. Yeah, I'm going to jump in here because I might, get, I might get slated for this, but I don't care. I personally think that Bernardo Silva's the best player that we've got in that squad all round. And I think that if, if it's a choice of Bernardo and Kevin De Bruyne playing in that central attacking midfielder, uh, central attacking midfield position, I'd go for Bernardo Silva all day long. Kevin De Bruyne has more cutting edge. Uh, he, he takes more risks. Now? That's what I'm right saying. I'm talking about now but, as well, but, though. But I personally think that I'd, I'd rather play Bernardo Silva in the middle of the park rather than out wide on the right. I think he's wasted out there. Yeah. Um, but I think if it was a choice between him and Kevin, now or even at the start of the season, I'd always play Bernardo Silva in there. Mm. But I think Pep knows that. Uh, um, I, it's, it's not really a, a, a choice between those two. I think isn't it a choice between KDB and David Silva because they're both out of form. And uh, I think most 90% of City supporters that I've spoken to, they want Bernardo Silva in, in the middle. Uh, it's a question at the moment of who partners him. Yeah. David Silva for me. David Silva's a bit out of form too, you know. But I think um, their, link up, their link up's unbelievable. Yeah. David Silva's I think, I think he's, he's, he's possibly his legs might be going. But I think I KDB needs to get back into form, and I think that you'll see Silva, David Silva coming off the, the bench because most people feel he's just about turning the corner and on the way downhill age wise. So, but, you know, yeah. we, we want to keep him. But we don't want a, him to be playing the majority of games. He he needs to be coming off the bench or playing, uh, not quite so regularly. Needs to be looked after, doesn't he? He does. Yeah. I love I love Kevin. Me, I, I do love him. I think he's an outstanding football player. Um, but I think that in Kevin's mind now, he believes that he's undroppable when he's fit. I think that when Kevin De Bruyne is fully fit, he believes that he's undroppable, and that it's the other players. So, for example, your David Silvers or your Bernardos, if, for example, Mares was to come into the team and have a stellar, 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 stellar time, or Sane and Sterling is starting, uh, and Bernardo couldn't go out on the right hand side, that Kevin believes that he wouldn't be dropped for anybody. 
Um, I just personally believe that he seriously sees himself now as the big dog in the team, and I don't think he's the best player we've got in that position. But I, I, um, he, he, I think we're being a, a little bit over demanding of KDB. He's had two serious injuries, and he he, he needs a little bit more time than than it seems we're prepared to give him. He needs a little bit more time to get to find his form. But isn't that the problem now, though, that we've got? The game's coming thick and fast. We've got a, pretty much every three days we've got a game coming mm-hmm. up. Mm-hmm. So we really haven't got time to carry passengers, have we? And that's, he doesn't that's need the problem. to play every game. He doesn't need to play every game because <laughs> I believe that, like I said, we've got a better option in there, in Bernardo for me. So if Kevin doesn't play, obviously you play him when you're playing against sides that his, that his attacking style is going to work but against. But he's not been good against any attacking no. style in the games he's come back from injury. So... I mean, is this he, is me. This is, is he calling some, Kevin. I think he's outstanding. Is there something? I mean, is there something that, about the injury that's causing this, or is it just the fact that he needs to get back into it? He's out of touch a little bit because he's not really played all season, has he? Really? So, is it he needs to get back into it, or is he like you said? Has he got you know? I'm I'm too good for this, or whatever. Has he got a mental? We need problem we need to be or? patient. We need to be patient because I mean, there's a great demand for for us to see him back the way he was. And uh, we're looking at these games and he's not performing to the same heights as last season. Mm. People are getting a little bit, you know, nervous about that. But it, it, he, it may well be that it's not until next season that he's back. I suppose what Paul's was. saying, though, is that, you know, we talk about Phil Foden and whether he's ready to play or not. And the reason whether you think he's ever going to be good enough to play regularly is a different question. That's the one I'm not talking about at the moment. I'm saying basically... It certainly Pep thinks, because you can see it from his, his reaction, and I certainly think, for what it's worth, that Foden isn't ready yet to start in City's first team for crunch games. And every game now, when you're chasing down Liverpool and you're a point behind them, when you're in the quarter-finals virtually of the Champions League, when you're in the quarter-finals of the FA Cup and you've just played a, a Wembley final in the League Cup final, now is not the time to put Phil Foden in um, and say, well, it'll give him a chance to develop and get better and he needs game time. And Ma- he's, he talked about Mares and said, well, I haven't <coughs> been giving Mares the run of games that he deserves. It's my fault that he's not playing well. But by his actions, he doesn't feel as if Mares is ready to play in these crunch games. Now, if we were back in September and it wasn't, we weren't at the defining moment of the season, you could make an argument to say that you could try and give Mares a few games. You could try and give Folden a few games. You could give KDB four or five games to get his form back. But now, surely, is not the time to do it. Riyad Mahrez is still uh, learning how to operate in Pep's system because we yeah. know that when he was at Leicester, he was the main man and he had license to roam and to shoot. But now he's got to interact with the other players, that passing style that Pep's got. And uh, I imagine that Pep sometimes loses uh, patience with uh, Riyad cutting in as he does uh, onto his left foot and uh, hitting shots. And when they go in, they look spectacular. At the moment, a lot of them are just whizzing past the post. He's still to calibrate that rifle sight on his on his left boot, but mm. he needs to um, to be a, li- a little bit less selfish and to to work out that what he needs to do in Pep's system because it's not about. But you can't let him learn that during this time. Yeah, can you? you're right, and he's gonna uh, he'll he'll shine next next season. I think he will. Yeah, I think he will. I'm a massive admirer. There's fan. been a few players that have come to the club and had a pretty average first season, isn't they? One thing we've seen about Mahrez, though, <clears throat> he has got the most delicious control. Uh, touch. 
Yeah. Oh, you can you, you can hammer it into the air, and he brings it down on a sixpence. It's, mm. I, I've not, I've not seen a player with that kind of control elegant, in the Premier he, League. He's very elegant. Yeah, he's wonderful. very elegant. Yeah, he's wonderful. got a beautiful control. I want to ask you another question now. Another subject. I know it's a Chelsea subject, this, but it does. I think it's well worth us exploring because it, it it's a general subject. We saw what happened yesterday. You knew you knew what I was coming yeah, to, no. then, didn't you? As I set it up, <laughs> we've got to talk about this goalkeeper whose second name I'm not going to attempt to say. Ariza but, Balaga. Yeah, Ariza Balaga. Kepper, right? Uh, Kepper the keeper. Unreasonable Balaga. I watched that unfold, you know, um, and immediately knew that the massive story from this Wembley game was going to be that because there were so many different angles to it. First of all, um, he he goes down with cramp. There's people around me saying. Is he acting? Has he really got cramp? So that was the first debate that was happening. Then you get into um, the the moment when he may... When when basically they put a board up. Now that putting the board up doesn't commit you to taking a player off. That is basically somebody's given a piece of paper to the fourth official and that they, they put that board up. Uh, you, the manager at that point, as far as I know, because people are asking me about rules yesterday, can the manager can still step in and say... I've changed my mind, right? And overrule that. So that just putting that board up doesn't commit you to it. However, what we saw unfold, and we've heard all sorts of excuses made by Chelsea and all sorts of platitudes and backtracking and everything else. Come on, we're not stupid. What we saw was the goalkeeper saying, I ain't coming off. The manager saying, yes, you are. And having a strop on the touchline, running down the touchline for a bit and coming back and reports that he'd hit the wall and all sorts of other stuff. We saw Willie Caballero getting changed. He booted and the ball against the wall three times or something and he was he was ready to punch the wall. He was that frustrated yeah, that he was being led, led astray, so to speak. Well, Will, Willie, and this is what's going through in my mind, and I'm sure a lot of City fans were thinking this, Willie's the hero from the League Cup final when we beat Liverpool on penalties. Penalty. The last thing we want, I'm thinking, as this is unfolding, is I don't want Willie to come on. So I'm actually thinking to myself, go on, uh, Kepper, you know, yeah. you refused to come off. Yeah, but, <laughs> you know, yeah. and it and happened. And then and then you think, so so now let's trans so we can talk about that if you want, but let's transfer this the other way around. If that had been, and it wasn't, and I'm sure it would never would be, Edison refusing to come off, how would Pep have reacted? What would have ha- what would have been the consequences? Would 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 Edison have ever played for the club again? Would have sent Arteta on to slide tackle him in. Do you know what I mean? It just wouldn't have happened though, would it? Because the players have got so much respect for Pep. It just would never never equate to anything. It says a lot about Chelsea, what's going on at Chelsea for me. What seemed to be the case though there was that Kepa believed he was being substituted because of injury and he was trying to communicate that he wasn't injured Mm. so for that reason wasn't coming off. But for a lot of the rest of us, we thought that uh, Sari was bringing him off, possibly a bit to do with uh, the times he went down, but because that we all know that Caballero is a penalty specialist. Exactly. And, that, and I think that it, that it was maybe a combination of those two things that um, led to that. And to this nonsense that came out from uh, Chelsea about there being a misunderstanding, and everyone sees Rubbish. through that, it's yeah. basically the case that Kepa thought he was being substituted because of injury and he knew that he wasn't injured mm-hmm. but it's, it's it's but he just point blank refused to come you, off didn't he I've never you, seen that 
Ever. Ever. Well, we've seen that with uh, Carlos Tevez in Germany, remember? Yeah, that's... Something similar. He refused to come on. He yeah. refused to come on. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that, the point I was going to make there was that if you, if you look back to the incidents when... Because he was time-wasting all through the game. Yeah, he was. Any opportunity he really got, he was wasting time. There was two incidents that I remember where we, we were getting on top in the game and we'd had a shot on... And he went down, same corner, went down and stayed down as though he was injured. So the, the team came on, they had a look at him and off they went and we're all saying, oh, look, he's all right now and everything. Again, in extra time, it went down again. And I said, to, I said to me, mate, I said, this looks like they're basically time-wasting and they want to get Caballero on. They want to, they, he, they, at some point, he's going to get a message over to him saying, right, go down now because they want to bring Caballero on because he knows City, he's a great penalty stopper, as we know, but he's got inside information on... He, he's, he's, they've took penalties against him. City players have t- in training and all sorts. So they want to get him on. And that's what I thought. And then it, the, the point is, I think he... This is how I saw it pan out, was that he went down injured and then thought, no, I'm not playing this game. I want to stay on in the final. I'm not... You know, it's like it's a prearranged. I'm staying on. I've changed my mind. I want to stay on for these penalties. And he, and he said, no, I'm staying on. Ian, let me ask you a question. Were you seriously worried about the prospect of Willie Caballero coming on for the yeah, penalty shootout? Yeah, I was. Jess was. She was nearly crying. Yeah, I was. Saw him. And I, and I <laughs> was so delighted when I saw what I saw was uh, basically a mutiny by, the, yeah. by the, 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 the goalkeeper. But I also thought, I mean, obviously there's a lot of talk of Sari being under pressure and player power and... You know, I've heard the rumours like everybody else that when you go back to the cup final at City lost against Wigan Athletic, mm. that there was a bit of mutiny going on in the background there. Uh, Joe Hart eventually played when it should have been Costel Pantillimon, mm. if you look at the track record of the year. And the fact that before that game, Pantillimon was the one who was put before the press and was interviewed by the media. So clearly the club, the player and everybody thought he was going to play. Now, the... You know, conspiracy theory, if you want to call it that, um, story is that when it came to the day that Mancini was under a lot of pressure already, that a little delegation of players, unproven this, but Mm. this is what I hear all the time, that a little (coughs) delegation went to the manager and said, you ain't going to be in charge next next week, so we've decided that Joe Hart's going to play in goal in this game. We saw what happened, City lost to Wigan, whether that was part of it, I don't know, but... It, it, it can't happen, surely. It, if it did happen like that in that cup final, which none of us probably will ever know, unless somebody writes a book about it who is directly involved in it. But, but, you know, it's the same... I know it's not our club, but the same type of thing was happening in that game, surely. Mm. That the, There was a power struggle. That was There was the, t- the 24-year-old, is he, or whatever, Kepper, saying to this manager who's under pressure... You know, no, no, I'm deciding you're going anyway. That you know yeah, that yeah. we don't like you. You know, I, I can't help thinking no, that was absolutely. part of it too. I, I kind of felt Sally's helplessness. I don't know about oh, yeah. about 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 you four. Like I felt like I felt sick to my stomach for the guy. Mm. Do you know what I mean? I put myself in. You can't put yourself in someone else's shoes. That's that's a silly no. thing. You, you can never do that because you're not that person. And he might have but different size feet. Empathise with him. <laughs> do you know what I mean? And I'm looking at him, and he looked lost. He looked like. Even when he went to give the team talk yeah. for the penalties, he's walked into the circle, walked out, and he's just yeah. fiddling about. He but didn't know what it, to do. He's saying it's a misunderstanding, but surely Gaffer would have gone over there and said, you Sorry, know, yeah. Sorry, Gaffer. They were still arguing with one another. Who's the captain of Chelsea? So, 
Who was the captain of Dan Luiz? Isn't the captain? Well, he's he's the he's the leader. He thinks he's a leader, doesn't he? Yeah, well, well, it's 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 the, 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 the captain, captain should have uh, you know sorted that one out. Yeah. But um, I, I, I was just I watched it on YouTube today, and it was like a five and a half minute sort of devoted to this that and it, and it was it was like all it needed was Benny Hill music playing <laughs> to it, it but was, even if like Sari was to go and the next manager was to come in and you've just seen the attitude and how they responded to that whole situation you'd be a bit it's a bad precedent to, to take the job really well that, one of the theories of, of Pep coming in and Joe Hart going immediately was that it was still an aftermath yeah. from, from that situation well, it, it, that it, it, they'd it, identified a problem in the dressing room yeah and that was why it was dealt yeah, with. Again, know. unproven. Oh. Um, but it's certainly something I've heard plenty of times. There's a number of players who left at that Sarri time. doesn't help himself, though. He's too honest. And he's, he's come out with those comments about not being able to motivate his team. And the press are on that because they love a manager that doesn't do the oh, media speak or the they give away nothing. If they, got the, if they got a manager that likes to say what he really thinks... That's a headline every so day. You think, so he's, you think he's given Kepa and other players ammunition to throw back at him? By doing what he's done, yeah. But if that's his coaching style and it's got results for him elsewhere, because I'm led to believe that he did it in Italy as well. Obviously, I couldn't understand what he was saying when he was in Italy, <laughs> but he was probably doing just the same thing. But maybe he had a group of players that that didn't mind responding to that way of way of managing. But another thing that he's done is he's 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 um, trashed a media darling. He's put Kante, who has been acclaimed as the greatest defensive midfielder in the world, mm. stuck him up, up in the right, brought his man, Jorginho, in there, yeah. who can't defend, who's a bit of a quarterback type of a player, and he has given the journalists... If you listen to those guys on ESPN FC, the two Scotsmen, uh, Stevie Nicol and uh, Craig Burley, they go on and on about this. You've got to play Kante in his natural role. What is Jorginho doing in there? And he has given the scribes in the media ammunition to go yeah. after him and they're doing it with relish every every day now you can the thing them. is going going back to the actual incident itself um i personally think that if sorry was ever going to put caballero on for the penalties anyway he wouldn't have made that decision with about a minute to go i think he'd have known at half time in extra time right it's getting a bit too close to close for comfort now these penalties are 15 minutes away should i put willie on so he can get prepped stick him on let him get a bit I, I, honest, I personally don't think that was ever in the equation. I think Sarri was reacting purely to the fear that his goalkeeper was injured, injured. made a decision, and then he had a, a straight-out rebellion from the play. I don't think... I think all these conspiracy theories about bringing him on to save penalties, whilst me, as a City fan, was anxious about that possibility... I mean, I can never prove it, and we might hear somebody say something that completely shows that I'm talking rubbish, which will be the first time I've done this. But I personally feel that that was not part of the equation. He would have, well, that's what I mean. In in in, in that defence, he would have brought Caballero on earlier yeah, if that was what he wanted, because he'd have wanted him to be warm. You wouldn't want to bring a keeper on with a minute to go, give a quick team talk. The and medical, to the medical staff, the medical staff are in radio communication, so they'd have gone back and said, "No, he's done. He's coming off." So that's when they'd have made the change. Yeah. So surely, if that's the case, and that will have been said, but he had cramp. How does a keeper get exactly. cramp? Exactly. You know what's going to be really I, I interesting? Hang on a minute. My Sorry. wife gets cramp in bed. <laughs> <laughs> she doesn't play football. We don't want to know. <laughs> well, I realise saying that, that well. may have been took the wrong way. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, but, yeah. but you know what? The point I'm making is that ordinary people 
Uh, and I know that goalkeepers and professional footballers are not ordinary in that sense. But anybody can get cramp. If you turn your leg in the wrong direction, if you, if you, you know, t- twist it, overstretch it, you can get cramps driving a car. Did it happen twice? Twice. Yes, it yeah. did. Yeah. It's a miscommunication and it's a misunderstanding. Yeah, but it happened twice. But it's the behaviour when after you were on top and putting yeah. massive pressure on. That's so the conspiracy he was told, theory. He was told, I don't care what anyone says, he was told any opportunity, slow the game down. That's, that's fair. What Listen. Going, what's going to be fascinating is if, if, if it is as Chelsea say, say, say that uh, there was a miscommunication, then surely Kepa will be in the team in the next game. Yeah. Let's but see if what he happens. has rebelled... Yeah. If that is the case and there was a misunderstanding, a miscommunication, forget that for a minute, there was a miscommunication. It's Kepa's behaviour after that yeah. that's, that's disgusting. Well, let's, and I don't think a player that does that should be... I'm glad he did. That's enough about that, Chelsea. That ball went underneath him, didn't it? And it was fantastic. <laughs> it for me. Let, let's just yeah. bring very quickly to, to two more subjects to the front here, just and, and, and just briefly this week. But having Mike here from Bolt from the Blue is a long-lost... Long lost, far flung blue, let's call it that, not long lost. Um, I, I do want to just briefly ask you, because you must have an opinion on the debate that we have. I mean, I had a, a Turkish supporter on my podcast, on my vlog not long ago, who got a lot of stick for, for saying, it, admitting basically that he was a bit of a glory hunter. Uh, that's one aspect of it, and he comes and, and watches a couple of games. You, as a far flung blue, do you get stick? And do you think it's fair that does anybody judge you as not being a real fan? I think what gets lost in the debate is about whether you started supporting City um, after they got oil rich or whether you're an expat blue. Now, most of the the people that um, are very vocal on it and, and respond very angrily to suggestions that they're plastic are expat blues. They are from Britain and they've through their career they ended up somewhere else and because of that they can't come um, and uh, they are as blue as anyone else it's just through their job they have to watch games on TV or live streams and so I think uh, that's an important thing to to recognise but you know if you see the way that City has taken off in America and um, a couple of people that have regularly contributed to our podcast Victoria Gregory, for example, she's the the chair of the Chicago Blues. I know Victoria very and well. She is uh, she's um, got a crowd of passionate Blues there that get up at all hours, you know, with snow up to their knees. They're really really passionate, and they are incredibly knowledgeable. And then there's the two guys, the Noisy Neighbors, one of the most popular and funny podcasts out there. These guys, they know as much as anybody else about the Blues. And they put a lot of time and effort into that. So for me, you just the whole issue, if you are a supporter of Man City and you give your time to that and you follow them passionately, it doesn't matter to me one way or the other whether you're, you're a match-going blue and you go every week or you have to watch them on TV. But, you know, if you're committed to us and our cause then you're, you're, you're blue for me and you'll do for me. I had a discussion well with one of my friends about this, Ian, and uh, somebody that followed me on Twitter, and I'll see him as a friend now just because of how, in, well, how he interacted with me on Twitter. Um, and he basically said to me on a post I put out earlier on today, actually, he put um, I, I, he liked my tweet and then commented on it, and I put that was from the 11-12 season, and it was when I'd said that, that United are going to be beneath us for a long, long time. He was just like, oh, great vision. And then he said to me about how he'd only supported us since 2010 because he wanted to support the underdog that was rising. 
And I said to him, the difference with you, though, and other fans that have jumped on the bandwagon and that only want success is that you've taken the time out and you've put the effort in to research our history, buy into that and become one of us. You've not just... You're not just there for the success and then you're admittedly standing there on Ian's vlog saying that if that was gone, you would go as well. Do you know what I mean? Way, it's I, about what it means people to People sort of, people always, they, they're going about, um, um, you know, like, you, you know, our history. We've got cities got no history. The history started in 2008 and that kind of thing. Well, like with the ladies football, at some point you have to start supporting a club. Mm. So... You know, I'll go back to my grand my grandkids. Uh, Reese is eleven, so if he was supporting a club from when he was born, he can't have been supporting the club that long. But there's no bigger city fans. They're only little kids, but there's no bigger city fans. I mean, you know, my my grandkids have walked my flag home at weekend. They've all been sending me a video of them singing city songs. The the three going to eleven, so they they have joined this this party. At you know. At a different stage as the journey that we're on, and the same with the ladies. You've you haven't got a big history because you've not been going that long. Mm. Well, we've been going longer, but mm. who says when you can join the party? Somebody say right. Well, no, you've not been supporting them since uh, nineteen seventy eight, mm. so you're not allowed to follow us anymore. It, the the, te- the acid test will be is when you know we do decline a bit. You know when we're not winning things and we, we set back, and then all of a sudden. Then you've got your, your expats who, you know, I'm not saying you will, I'm just mentioning them as a thing because I think it's brilliant that people fall from all over, that they lose interest and then stop going, you know, stop doing what they're doing. We won't know until that happens. God True. forbid it happening, but at the moment we're all talking hypothetical because it's not happened yet. So we don't know whether someone's a glory hunter until you start failing. So they're in my York away position then, aren't they? Your yeah. grandkids, they're in my York away position. They're never going to have been able to see Aguero's go no. live because they weren't born. They weren't born. I, I couldn't go to York away because... Well, they all know about it. I couldn't go to York away. I couldn't go and watch us Absolutely. win in the, in, in, the, in the 68 season because no, no. I wasn't born in 1968. No. You know, I couldn't see us lift the you know league what? cup. I wasn't either. But that's what I'm saying, though. So Smiling, Paul. You know, it's the first time he's ever been uh, so too young to do something. <laughs> <laughs> I know you're going to bring them up as a granddad yeah. and, and, and oh, allow no them to remember it. the Aguero no goal by showing them videos. I didn't know about, you know, when I went to the games, you know, my dad told me all about Colin Bell and all the other greats and everything. I never saw him. Never saw him play. But it's what you invested in. But I know all about yeah. him. And then people talk about him now. So, you know, I'm invested into it. And I, I'd like to give the benefit of doubt to these new City fans and the expats. Expats, it's, I think it's fantastic, mate. I've got a Gambia at Christmas. And I've got, like, there must be 20 of us now who, who, who work in the hotels. I go on holiday. They work in the hotels. And we all watch some matches together. We all meet up and watch some matches together. They're all City fans for that. Whether they support when I go home, I'm not interested. But when I'm there... We've got a little group. And it's a good example is, uh, you know, Colin Savage, uh, Presswich Blue. He, um, he took his uh, son to, to games at City when he was, you know, a, a, a toddler. And then, of course, later on, he gets a job in America. Colin goes out there and visits him. But he's still as, as passionate as he, I mean, he was blooded, you know, as a child. Mm. And it, it, it doesn't leave you. So, I mean, you can't tell me that that guy, even though he may be watching the majority of games on TV in the States... Is less of a blue than any of the rest Absolutely. of us. Absolutely. One football family. Listen, you guys have been brilliant tonight. Thanks to you all for coming down and contributing. Uh, thanks very much also to...
click marketing, the Google and social media ad specialist uh, that will help you grow your business for being the sponsor of the podcast. There's a few exciting things, uh, I hope they're exciting things, on the way soon. For example, I did a sit-down interview with Andy Morrison, No Holds Barred, hour long, uh, which answered some of your direct questions via Emily, who sometimes is part of the podcast, but also he talked very, very frankly about some of the dark times and some of the highs that he had in his life. And uh, I'm planning to put that out as a podcast um, in about, as, this has obviously been just recorded after the uh, the Chelsea Cup final, so about ten days on from that, and other things we've got planned coming up are to do this podcast um, live, perhaps on YouTube, um, on doing a video version of it. So there's all sorts of things that might come along. Um, so keep your eyes open. Thanks for subscribing obviously now we're available on all platforms itunes spotify the rest it took a little while to get there uh, mainly on soundcloud that's the sort of home base for it but thank you very much for listening uh, just a quick very quick um emma what's your um your activity is um i'm on twitter it's at mcw fancast you can follow the podcast on there and we update and post out weekly so have a listen to that thank you. we've also got um bolt from the blue Website is builtfromtheblue.live and uh, we've got the podcast on SoundCloud and iTunes and pretty much every uh, channel and um, I'm on Twitter at builtfromtheblue, B-L-U, because someone else got the B-L-U-E, so I had to settle for that. <laughs> Paul fixes cars and Harlan <laughs> does some stuff of his own. Yeah, uh, I'm at our 13th man, got it right this time, Pauline. <laughs> uh, yeah, at our 13th man on Twitter. Um, I just... I just look at football from from an outside of the box view, pardon the pun, um, and I try and look at things that you know not at face value, things that aren't just black and white. Try and look in between the lines as well. You've all been very valuable contributors tonight. Thank you. We'll do another podcast Monday evening next week, which will be available then late Monday evening in the UK and on obviously the rest of the week. Um, and look out for that Andy Morrison one. So see you all next time. <laughs>